I live in a mid-19th century home in Bedfordshire, England. When I was little, I slept in one of those cabin beds. I used to sleep with the door open and have the landing light on. My parents would turn off the landing light when they went to bed once I'd fallen asleep. I remember waking up one night, scared of the dark, so I shouted for my mum. A lady in Victorian dress whose face was frozen in a scream came floating into my bedroom and right up to my face. Once she had reached my face, she disappeared. This happened three times the same night. I kept calling for my mum. When my mum came, I hid from her because I thought she was one of the Victorian-looking ghost ladies. Stotfold is an ancient place, mentioned in the Doomsday Book. And although my home and the description of the lady do not match, being very close to the historic High Street, it would most likely have had another property on or nearby the site that my parents' house now stands. I have never seen this ghost again. I work at a fruit and veg distribution centre that sits on its own, apart from a military base that runs alongside it. To get to the base, and my place of work, I have to drive through an ancient woods. I work nights, and although the base is still owned by the government, it is not as active as when it was an American Air Force base and RAF base during World War II. Before that, it was the site of an abbey and religious order. The abbey is still there today, however public access is limited. I was on a night shift and doing my checkups, as I'm the site manager. I walked to one of the warehouses that was set away from the main office building. I went inside and could see one of my workers standing at the far end of the warehouse. He was the only one in apart from me and shouldn't have really been there as he had work to be getting on with. He didn't respond to me when I called out a few times. It was cold and dark, so I just wandered back to the office. As I turned around, I started walking back. The employee that I was calling was walking up from the office and asked if I was calling him. We both turned back and could see the black outline of a man in a warehouse. Chicksands Woods, as well as the Abbey, have held many secrets and mysteries over the years. Tales of sexual misconduct, abuse and black magic have all been rumoured to take place here. Was I seeing one of the monks who had lost his way or a fallen soldier from World War II? Or was it in fact the infamous nun that was said to have been bricked up in the walls of the abbey? My uncle was sick as a child. He recalls a lady wearing a long skirt coming in through the wall of the room he had been placed in. 
she would tuck the covers in, kiss his forehead and stroke his hair. He said she was icy cold, even her breath. She told him that he would be okay and turned, walked through the wall. He woke up the next day and he was feeling better. When he described the old woman to his mother, she was shocked that she sounded so much like her own mother who had died when my uncle was a baby. Some years later, he came into possession of a photograph of her, and it was indeed that lady. Despite moving away from the family home, he would still often pass his home and wave to the top window, the room that he was recovering in all those years ago. He claims he still sees the old woman from time to time. Sands, Bedfordshire earlier in the episode. What follows is a local legend. Now a military base, the officer's mess was once home to pregnant nuns, a cursed family of baronets and spies. It even offered sanctuary to a later murdered archbishop. Chicksands Priory was first mentioned in the Doomsday Book survey of 1086, before becoming home to a religious order in 1147. The Gilbertine Order was the only order of purely English foundation. It was at the Priory that the Archbishop Thomas Becket found refuge while fleeing to France to avoid the wrath of Henry II. Thomas's friendship with the King had moved him up swiftly in the ranks of the Catholic Church and his allegiance changed from the court to the church accordingly. In those days, the church reserved the right to try clerics accused of crimes and Henry wanted to extend his control over religious matters by destroying this. Sensing danger after refusing to recognise the new laws and refusing to meet the king at court, Thomas decided to flee to France. He first sought refuge at Chicksands Priory to hide from the furious king before his long journey. The comfort and kindness he received at the Priory may have been his last he was to see for quite some time. He didn't return to England for six years, and when he did, he died within months. He was murdered at his own altar in Canterbury Cathedral by Knights of the King. Life continued normally at Chicksands until 1531, when Henry VIII proclaimed himself head of the Church of England so he could divorce Catherine of Aragon, who was at that time living in nearby Amptill. This meant that all religious houses were dissolved and their land was given to the crown. The king's lawyer, Dr Richard Layton, produced a report for Henry stating how the vows of the nuns and monks were being broken at Chicksands. Chastity vows were definitely being broken, as two of the nuns, at least at Chicksands, were found to be pregnant. At least one of the nuns was punished by being bricked up alive in one of the walls. The ghost of the girl known as Rosetta, has been seen by many officers and civilians staying at RAF Chicksands, always on or around the 17th of the month. She's said to be eternally searching for the body of her lover, who was beheaded on the site too. 
A deed of surrender was signed by the Priory and Chicksands became Crown property. The Crown swiftly sold the land to Richard Snow, whose son Daniel bequeathed it to Mary Osborne. The Osborne family may well have rued the day that the will was written, as each member was touched by tragedy. The land eventually came into the possession of Sir Peter Osborne in 1598, whose family would remain at Chicksands until 1936. Sir Peter was a staunch cavalier during the Civil War and moved to Guernsey, where he became a royal governor. But he lost much of his fortune when it was diverted by a so-called friend to Jersey rather than to Sir Peter. He and his wife were hit by more personal tragedy when only five of their eight children survived infancy and his daughter, Dorothy, fell madly in love with William Temple, the son of a prominent roundhead. The couple met with disapproval and was split up. Sir Peter was returned to Chicksands after the king was beheaded until his eventual death in 1653. While Sir Peter was lying on his deathbed, Dorothy had renewed her relationship with William via secret letters. Despite their family's political differences, the pair were married in 1654. While Dorothy's eldest brother, John, inherited the priory, she did not fare so well. Seven of her nine children died in childbirth. A son committed suicide at the age of 21. Dorothy died in 1695 and was buried in Westminster Abbey. The family curse continued. Sir Danvers Osborne became governor of New York in America in 1753, but hung himself in a fit of desperation after a hostile reception. The sixth baronet, Sir George Robert, built the three Chicksands Lodges, and his initials, G.R.O., can still be seen on the walls today. He lost his son Henry in 1889 in a train disaster when two trains collided. A memorial to the accident can still be found in the southeast of Chicksands Woods. His grandson survived the tragedy and became the seventh baron. In 1936, the priory was sold to the Crown and it was developed into a secret service station. Chicksands played a huge part in the Second World War by receiving signals which were later decoded at Bletchley Park, where the German Enigma code was broken. Chicksands was first an American airbase, and more recently, a top-secret intelligent base for the British military. For a house whose walls have witnessed tragedy and scandal, it seems fitting that it currently sits in the hands of one of the most secretive organisations in the world, involved in top-secret training and research. If those walls could talk, they would have an awful lot to say. The three stories in this episode come from Mel, Andrew and Rebecca. The last one is researched on the internet by me, Ollie Green. You can find Macabre Bones on Instagram at macabre.bones.podcast. Macabre Bones. Your stories, my stories, we all scream for ghost stories. Ghost stories.